something to be an entrepreneur is is also that you can't just quit. It, you don't just quit. It's your business. It's what you started. I mean, there may be a time where you quit and you say enough, but for the most part, it's not like a job where you can just walk out the door. And if you sleep till noon every day, you see what that does. And then if you work hard, you see what that does. And I mean, I've always myself had a lifestyle business too. So it was really important to me to pick up my kids from school. It was really important to me to um, live where I want to live and, you know, mix up my schedule and do all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that's what my business shows what I do when, when I work hard, this is what happens. And when I, when I remove myself from the business, this is what happens. And it's, there's neither good nor bad. You don't have to have the biggest business. You can be an entrepreneur and have a lifestyle business too. It's just a choice. It's all a matter of choice, I think. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, this show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything is possible mentality. And that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Hero of the Hour podcast. Today, Mark has the pleasure of sitting down with the remarkable Julie Sabaki. Not only is she the author of the best-selling book, Consider It Done, Accomplished 228 of Life's Trickiest Tasks, but she's also the driving force behind the renowned personal concierge service, Consider It Done. Originating from the scenic Aspen, Colorado, and later making its mark in the bustling streets of New York, Julie's venture has been a beacon of efficiency and creativity. From the early days of her career, Julie had an eye for spotting opportunities to enrich lives. Whether it was giving back precious time or elevating special moments, she believed in the power of planning, organization, and a sprinkle of creativity. Consider it done wasn't just a phrase for Julie. It was a promise she delivered on time and time again. In our interview, we'll dive deep into the inspiration behind her book and the challenges she tackled along the way. We'll journey through Julie's entrepreneurial timeline, retracing her steps from the beginning, exploring her present achievements, and peeking into her future endeavors, especially her exciting foray into the world of coaching. Change is inevitable, and Julie has some profound insights on embracing it and the art of navigating the uncertainties of tomorrow. Let's get started. Now, hi, I'm Mark B. Murphy, uh, founder and CEO of Northeast Private Client Group. And uh, we're here for another episode of our Hero of the Hour podcast. And I'm here with uh, Julie Sabatki, who is the author of the book, uh, Consider It Done. Uh, you can reach Julie at uh, her website, considerandone.com. And, uh, you know, Julie, thank you for uh, thank you for joining me. I'd love to just start with the book because I know it's filled with uh, practical tips and hints uh, and a lot of really funny, hilarious stories, uh, you know, from your journey. 
I'd love you to share with uh, the people watching this, uh, you know, you know, why you wrote the book and, and t- tell me a little, t- tell us a little bit about some of the, the zany stories that are in the book. Well, thanks for having me. And um, I wrote the book because, because I did have so many crazy stories and, you know, my business took me all over the place. I kind of started it just because people needed to get things done and they didn't know who to turn to. So I raised my hand, I'll do it. I'll do whatever. You... And so one task turns into the next and Pretty soon I was, you know, getting um, armed security guards on airplanes and doing all kinds of crazy tasks for people. But it was it was from that to can you find my discontinued running shoe? And then I would have to track that down. So it was kind of it kind of ran the gamut. It went all over the place on what we had to do. And everyone said, you have so many stories, you should write a book. So I did. Oh, that's wonderful. I did notice that you you started. It, it said to me, you know, I was reading, you know, go, reading through it, and going through the notes, and just tell a little about that your journey. You know how that started because you're a lead, I would say, would you describe yourself as a leadership development coach? I am now. So yeah. just, I, I, you know, the question I always ask people, like, I sort of th- think when I'm talking to a client is like, where did you start? Where are you right now? And where are you going? You know that. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I started getting things done for people and that seemed like a good business. So I had that business going for a while and one thing led to another. And what I really love is working with people. And so I, I started to go down that path because when I'm, when I'm doing things for people and getting tasks done for people, what I turned that into a business, sure. But really what I'm doing is helping people. And I think that my passion is more about helping people And um, so I started down the road of coaching and I got certified as an integral coach first, which is mind, heart and body and working with people on developmentally changing themselves in order to change either their businesses or something that wasn't working for them. And so that led me to um, all kinds of development topics. And um, I recently, most recently finished a master's in psychology just to add to all that I'm doing. Thank you. That's uh that's a that's but that's quite a task. I uh, actually I have a, I have a son that is uh considering going that route as well. He uh he's at least uh, exploring that right now. But uh that's I, I you know I've always said, you know, I have a finance and accounting background. I've always said my life would have been better served if I did psychology and philosophy because you know as long as the people you work with are people, as long as the clients or customers are people, we're really in the people business. That uh, so that's quite an undertaking uh to go do that. You know, I you know we we're we're key business strategists, critical thinkers, financial advisors, primarily to entrepreneurs and, and entrepreneurial thinking people. I know you went from an entrepreneur to a coach. Tell me, tell me what it, you know. I, so many people tell me because they own a business, they tell me they're entrepreneurs, and they're really not entrepreneurs. They bought themselves a job. What is being an <laughs> entrepreneur? How do you how do you d- differentiate that, or how do you define that? I so agree with you. And I work with a lot of entrepreneurs as well. And I think there are certain people that have an entrepreneurial mindset. And I really think that those are the people that figure things out, really resourceful. They didn't necessarily, sure, you can be an entrepreneur and buy a business or buy a job, like you said. But people who are entrepreneurs, they tend to band together and they have this... um, this really unique way of thinking and approaching the world in many cases, not, not across the board, but, you know, entrepreneurship takes on, it takes an ability to really be able to um, be resilient 
and to work with change. And that's what I do in my coaching business is I, I work with people in transition and change. And so when they're going through big changes in their life, that's where I work with them. And I think that being an entrepreneur really prepared me for that. And I don't, I also think that many people who are entrepreneurs tend to have done many little entrepreneurial things along the way. So that's another key distinctive quality for me. I'm a believer that entrepreneurism and capitalism are sort of under attack. You know, I think it's, you know, and I, and I think that there, there is a, all of the abundance in this country has been, or, or much of it has been created by entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial thinking people. And I think if we were to ever lose that as the foundation of this country, that would be a problem. And I, I just, you know, one of the things I'm passionate about is not only working with all the entrepreneurs we work with, but making sure young people understand that you can do anything you want in this country as long as you're willing to work hard enough and you're, you know, and you're, you're, you're reasonably smart and willing to do the work. And I, and one of the things I find with, you know, when I, when I'm, when I'm working with younger people and I, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about doing that is I find that sometimes their goals are incongruent with their actions. You know, they want to, uh, you know, they want to, uh, you know, they want to be billionaires, but uh, they want to sleep also till noon at the same time. You know, they <laughs> want to do this, you know, you know, they, they, they you know, the, the part of it that, that somehow the accountability and responsibility and the, and the work that's required is not being, they're not doing the being there. They're not. And, and, I, and I'm not sure how that disconnect has occurred because, you know, I remember, you know, you know, when, when somebody said, I need to find myself, my father said, uh, you know, I found you right here. Now get to work, you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, you know, and I'm, I'm saying we, we coddle, I think our youngsters a little bit. Um, I know you, I, go ahead, please. I, I, share, share. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. I think that there is something to be an entrepreneur is, is also that you can't just quit. It, you don't just quit. It's your business. It's what you started. I mean, there may be a time where you quit and you say enough, but for the most part, it's not like a job where you can just walk out the door. And if you sleep till noon every day, you see what that does. And then if you work hard, you see what that does. And I mean, I've always myself had a lifestyle business too. So it was really important to me to pick up my kids from school. It was really important to me to um, live where I want to live and, you know, mix up my schedule and do all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that's what my business shows what I do when, when I work hard, this is what happens. And when I, when I remove myself from the business, this is what happens. And it's, there's neither good nor bad. You don't have to have the biggest business. You can be an entrepreneur and have a lifestyle business too. It's just a choice. It's all a matter of choice, I think. The other thing I, I also find myself, you know, you can talk about like a Simon Sinek why or why you put this together. Like I, I, I was hoped we'd be successful. I thought we'd make money, but this was my vehicle to make other people's lives better. And, but, but I, as I keep going back and forth is, is that money is never the, the end goal. It, to me, it's, I think one of the reasons to start a business or be entrepreneurial is to elevate other people. Uh, you know, I know you've done a lot of training with momentum. You've got your, obviously recently got your master's degree. You've, it sounds like, you know, you've had a lifetime of coaching, education. Tell me, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And and as you were speaking, it, it made me think of um, the heroes in your podcast. And when I was when I was really thinking about, okay, heroes, what are heroes? You know, and and the thing that comes back to me every time is that heroes are people who are who are courageous, and I really think that courageousness and their outstanding achievements and their noble qualities. That's really a definition of, of a hero. But for me, courage is the thing. 
And I think that that really, that really defines what a hero is to me. And so I think that entrepreneurship really requires courage, but so does everyday life. Who's a hero to you? Yeah. So I think, you know, when I, when I, I was also thinking about that and it's, I think everybody can be heroes, right? And there's like the typical heroes like, you know, Martin Luther King or Amelia Earhart and there's all those kind of heroes. And then there's like, my kid can be a hero. But I think that the defining factor for me is that, you know, somebody who really, really takes that extra step, you know, courage is, um, it's a core virtue. So in positive psychology, we have four of your virtues that we look at. And it really is a defining quality of people. And it's it's not just about someone who's not scared. It's about someone who's willing to take a risk and willing to take that extra step. You know, I, I found in my business, because you know, it doesn't matter where you go to get trained about finance or accounting or other things, the one innumerable fact I had is we always we have an expression that says good leaders create followers, great leaders create other great leaders. And I aspire to be a great leader. Others can share whether I've, I'm, I'm on track or not. But I think the idea is that it's amazing how our business, one of, the, one of the key things that allowed our business to grow was I think the better leader I became, the better leader we, leaders we created in our organization. That sort of cemented the organization. I know you talk a lot about being a leadership development coach and how in your work, how does leadership play into the success that you, that, that you teach and how your clients have? Well, I think that's really true, right? What you're saying is the the better leader that you are, you'll lift up your entire company and not just your company, but the people in your company. And so by you being a better leader and you working on your own things that are in your way, you will then lift other people up along with you and, and in turn the organization. And I think that when people, especially entrepreneurs, when they, um, entrepreneurs, they oftentimes get merged with their business. And so it's like, I'm my business, my business is me. And there's a hard, it's hard to define it sometimes. And it's like, my business is doing great. So I'm really in a good place and my business is not doing well. And so now I'm in a bad place. And it's actually just a business. You can still be doing well and your business is not doing well. Like if, if you came in to run my business, you would run it a lot differently than I run it. And I would run yours a lot differently because- well, you're not, welcome. Uh, you can, you can, you can <laughs> what time, are you, what time are you coming in? <laughs> right. But, but like, it's like, um, yeah, I don't have that attachment to your business the same way. I always, I think about when I think about entrepreneurship like that, I think about my grandfather who used to fix watches. And I just remember him like with the, with the glasses and the magnifying thing on the, on the glasses even. And he would like meticulously be fixing these watches. And I think about my business like that sometimes is what if I could just put all the pieces into place? Like it actually is a thing that I could put pieces and make them work faster and more efficiently and better. And I don't have to be attached to it. It doesn't have to affect my well-being. It's just a business. Have you noticed that life is getting more and more expensive? From grocery prices to real estate values, everywhere you turn, prices seem to be skyrocketing. Well, Mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth. And in most cases, multi-generational wealth. The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy. But the difference 
will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision. And so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. One of the things I've become very passionate about is that I think a lot of people have limiting mindsets. And I, I think I might have had one for a long time where you say, well, what's important? And it's, you know, it's important is health is important. You know, wealth is important. Uh, meaning or purpose is important. Having love in your life is important, you know. And and sometimes I, I think people, like, you'll meet a lot of people who think, well, for me to get one of one or two of those things, I have to give up one or two of those things. And and I think that I I totally reject that because I think a life without all four of those things is not a life well lived. You know, it's interesting that people need help with different things in their life you know and and by the way sometimes your life's out of balance we have a little more of this or a little more of that but i think the the goal is to have balance in that life and to have a you know i like people to have financial balance i like to have that life balance as well tell me a little about the coaching process that you have the kinds of people that you work with and kinds of stuff you do with them and 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 I'd, and if there's a story or two that would uh, entertain our audience i think that would be even better <laughs> um so i actually really like to work with people when they're in change transition and change and i think that that can be really jarring for people and so i like to talk about this liminal space and when you go from something that's known to something that's unknown there's this space in the middle and you can't know what's on the other side until you actually get there so this is how i brought this is how i brought my coaching work into my own moving business was people are actually transitioning physically and changing their their space and it's jarring and people therefore hate moving and so i brought that aspect into it and what i do is i really i i think about what needs to happen in transition and change and what really needs to happen is you need to keep things solid so keep some some stability so in instability bring stability. It's really sounds simple. That's, it's counterintuitive. Yeah, but when you think about it, that makes actually perfect sense for me. There are two questions, you know, like I, everyone has the questions they've been asked 10,000 times or the times they've thought about. And I know two of those quite powerful questions for you are, what am I doing with my life? And the second is, what am I meant to be doing? Is that, how, do, how is that relevant in your, in your, in your coaching? I think, well, that's often a time when people are having a transition or a change in their life, right? So think about the big things that happen, death, divorce, an illness, um, kids going off to school, uh, selling a business, things like that. And then they're in this spot of like, now what do I do? I don't know what I do, what I want to do, what am I meant to be doing? And a lot of times people, you know, maybe they don't even have to work anymore for money and then they just don't know what to do and they're kind of lost. And so in this, in this space where there is change, it's like, how do I get to the other side? And I think 
I think this happened a lot because of the pandemic, right? So we were all like home for a couple of years, really. And there was a big, I mean, collective trauma, if you want to take it that far. But, you know, it really became clear, like what's important, like the things that you just named, family is important, health is important. All of these core things are important. And I'm not going to put up with the other things. But now what? Right. So I'm not going to keep the job that I don't like and I'm not going to live in the place I don't like to live and I'm going to move. But now what? And so then people are like in this space of now, what do I do? And so how do I figure that out? And also, how do I figure out how to um, how to really make transitions easier? You know, when you look at natural disasters and other kinds of traumatic events that have occurred and you look at the research and how people emerge from from those traumas, they emerge in community. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. You can't necessarily do these things by yourself. So that's good for a coach, but it also, you need the people around you. And we, we were not designed to be on this planet by ourselves. We're in community all the time. And so our offices become communities, our families become communities, obviously, but our, you know, extended communities and what are those communities and how can we then put, put stability in and intentionally have you can create little rituals and it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be, you know, a lunch every Friday at the same place, just something that's stable in instability. When I move people, I keep their, um, their nightstands like the same so that when they get into bed at night, it's like, things are all different. And where am I? What am I doing? And then I open the drawer next to me and it's like, oh yeah, I'm here. Right. So little things can make a big difference, but really being intentional about, in instability, bring stability. Keep things, keep something on your calendar that's really stable. And and remembering that people emerge in community. There are a lot of disconnected people. I mean, you you can't, if you ever try to find a family therapist or a, a, an MSW or a, or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, good luck. You know, there there's there's no capacity with anybody. I think I think so many people have been disrupted by this. Do you think we, I mean, it, the world has opened up again, at least we think, although there's some places trying to lock it down again, or at least talking about it. Do, do you think, how long do you think it takes us to get back to the, the new normal? Or do you think we're here? I mean, I think we have to just know that things are always changing and we don't know. And so how do we learn to live with that? How can we, how can we live with the not knowing? And that, that to me is a place that I like to work with people is how can we actually be okay not being okay? Because things are going to change. Just when we get on track, someone gets diagnosed with an illness or just when we get on track, something happens. And so how can we really start to be okay with these things? You know, one of the things that you, you that I think is so underappreciated, you talk about community is... And it could be somebody you're close to. It could be somebody that's an acquaintance. It can also be a stranger. But it's amazing to me over a long career how just a couple of words of kindness to somebody, which meant nothing. It didn't mean nothing to me. It was, it was not gratuitous. It was, but it was kind to somebody. How much they took that internalized and how much that made a difference in their life. Just like I'm sure if you said something cruel to that person, it would it hurt them. And I think sometimes people don't don't understand how just being kind to somebody can impact their lives. Like I sometimes like I get the, the such a kick out of somebody who said, you know, I you passed me in the hallway 15 years ago and you said this to me, which I didn't even remember the conversation. And they said, that made such an impact in my life and it's helped me do things. I just want to thank you for that. 
and you realize, you know, it cost me nothing. It was organic. It was real, but it was not, you know, it wasn't something I put a lot of thought or effort around. I just noticed something was going on. And I, I find so many people don't, are not, you know, that, that the more we, the more we're on social media, the more we're on video games, the more we're uh, have our, our face in our phones all the time. I just think we're getting farther and far away, farther away from community. And I don't think that's healthy for anybody. No, it's so important what you're talking about, because think about the times that people have told you that, and there's probably many, many more that they haven't told you about that you've made an impact. And then there are times when we've all made an impact in the other way too. When did you snap at someone? When did you, you know, like, when did I do this stuff? And we don't know what people are coming from or what they went through, or, I mean, forget about how they grew up and like all of that stuff is, is in the mix as well. Right. So not only what happened before they got to the meeting room, but their, their cultural norms, their communities, how, how they grew up, all of that contributes to how they show up in a room and how they come to a meeting. And there's, there's also research done that, um, you know, when you write down something about someone. So if you take that that nice comment and you write it down and you actually read it to them, that's when it makes the impact. It changes the mood of both the person reading it and the receiver. And it's really, really impactful. The other thing I also find, find interesting is you know, we're such a texting society where people think it's efficient. I think I find it for the most part inefficient. You know, you know, text is efficient saying, oh, I'm running, I'm in traffic. I'm 10 minutes late, Julie, I'll be right there as opposed to back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you still don't know what we really talk about. You didn't know if I was happy about it, angry about it. It was miscommunication central, which I find the lack of personality or, or community or being able to touch somebody. You know, I realize that, that we're on Zoom. Zoom is a transportation device as much as a communication device. But I, I still don't, I, there's still something to be able to reach out to somebody, put your put your arm on their arm or look across the table or you know, I, I think a lot of the magic in relationships is not existing because we're living on text or living on Zoom now. And, you know, it's much more efficient than getting on a plane to fly cross country to meet with a client or to do those things. But I, 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 I'm not sure where we're going with that. And, and uh, I think with mental health also, it's hard to be part of community when you're isolated on a computer all day. Yeah, I think keeping that stuff in mind, though, is is super important and the impact that it does have when somebody picks up the phone. And so, you know, even when you're when you're in a work situation or when you're in a personal situation, remembering, remembering the difference that you're going to be if you actually pick up the phone and somebody else just sent a text. Thanks for the interview, you know, and you're you're the one handwriting a letter still. You know, I I was going to say a very smart woman who I know had the quote, the essence of knowledge is self-knowledge. What does that mean? Uh... (laughs) That's not my quote. I just, I think that when we get to know ourselves, we really, we really can change a lot of things and we get to make decisions and, you know, we can't make changes for other people. We can't, we can't decide whether, what, how other people are going to react or really do anything but change ourselves. And so the more we learn about ourselves and the more we can grow, I think the better off we are in any area of our lives. It's like when you go to marriage counseling and you start going there to change the other person and you realize the only person you can change is yourself and be aware of yourself. That's the magic elixir. 
you know, I sort of, I, I thought, sort of, I'm seeing that the kind of topic of what this discussion should be about is it seems it's about navigating change. Uh, navigating, it sounds like that's what you, that's what you do for a living is navigate change. And I, I just you, you talked, you mentioned the known versus the unknown. Talk to me about a little self awareness or resilience or what what do what do you think people need to be able to navigate change properly? I mean, resilience for sure is helpful. Courage is also helpful. You know, I think that navigating change, it's, there's sort of like a dance, right? And it's, you don't know what's coming. And I think that one of the things that we don't do, especially in our culture, is we don't, we don't like to be with the uncomfortable. And I think that's super important thing to learn to do because, because things change moment by moment, but also there's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. There's nothing wrong with being sad with, with the emotions that we push away. I just don't think we can get through our, our uncomfortable times, our hurt, our sadness. I don't think we can get through them without experiencing those feelings. The more we push them away, the bigger and louder they come back. And it's just a way to express ourselves. And I think that's been pushed to the side in our culture. We've been taught like put on a happy face and you can get through this and it's okay. And yes, it is. And, and what else can we do to be able to be with these feelings and to be with this unknown? And that it takes, it takes work. It takes practice. It takes other people. It's really hard to do it on your own. Really hard. From a psychological standpoint, that sounds that that seems spot on to me. But from a business standpoint, working with a business owner or an entrepreneur, a lot of people are very comfortable playing in their comfort zone. But and they have aspirations to get out. Do you think that they don't play outside their comfort zone because they don't have a roadmap or help to get there? Just because they're too afraid? Just because they don't want to do it? Why? Why don't people want to kick down the damn door and and get to the place they want to be? I mean, a lot of times it is because they don't want to get uncomfortable. And a lot of times our successes are are so big. So especially people who have had big successes, they do what works. We all do what works, right? Because it works. And so great. But then we get to a point where it's like, okay, now what's needed? Now what's not working? Now what's in my way? And And like we were talking about before with entrepreneurs, we're in our own way. Right. So how do we work through our own stuff to then have our companies successful? I think I think that that's super important with entrepreneurs and with any any kind of leaders. We all have our limitations. We all kind of made up these stories and figured out how to a way to navigate the world. So, you know, we we come into the world and then we have all these factors that that we use to make sense of the world. And so we have our families and we have our communities and we have just, oh, this is safe. This is not safe. And so we, we have a way that we navigate the world and everybody's is different. Even, even yours are different from your siblings, right? So um, same families, yet we all navigate differently. And so I think when we start to see like, oh, there's other ways, then we can have things be different. And especially when, when the world is throwing things at us that, we, that are different right? Like we don't know what's coming. What's coming next? I mean, who knows? Climate change, politics, like so many factors. We don't know. But when you can start to be okay with adapting to what comes, 
then there's more possibility. I've, I've always shared with myself, you know, that I, when you try to be a disruptor in your businesses or your industry, you're going to fail. You know, I always say I have a million ideas, feel free to hate them all. But I've kind of convinced myself that anytime I invest money or time in something that fails, I just, I just refer to it as a form of market research. Because uh, if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have done other things that have been wildly successful. And that you got to, you know, you just got to be in the in in the game. Um, you know, talk about navigating change. I know, I know, you've moved your family to uh, Paris. That's uh, that's quite a big change. Uh, you know, a lot of people would not take uh, nine nine and nine and thirteen nine, nine and thirteen year old boys and and uproot them and just go to Paris. Tell me about that. Tell me about the thought process behind that and what what's the end game there? So I always, I, my boys grew up in Manhattan and I really always wanted to bring them to live somewhere else and live overseas and experience a different culture. And I got divorced and thought, oh, well, that's the end of that. And then a few years later, I started thinking, why is this the end of that idea? Why does that have to be the end of this idea? I have a great relationship with our dad. And we really have a good co-parenting relationship. So we talked about it and we worked it out. And then then we had a pandemic. And um, I, I just decided, like, if I don't do it now, I'm going to lose my window to do it. And so I brought them over here. And it's been great so far. It's been really, really great so far. So um, they're learning French. And they're in, in, one's in a French school. One's in an international school. We're really just having a different experience being over here. Well, I'll tell you, my my good friend Fred Joel always his latest book is "Bold as a Superpower." So uh, clearly, boldness is uh, one of your superpowers, and uh, I think your your children are going to be the beneficiaries of your boldness go, going forward. I just want to thank you for for joining us today. I hope that we're going to get to spend a lot of lot more time together, you and Lisa and I. And I just want to you know again remind people. I just want to make sure. That I, I get I get it right is that if you have any questions for Julie, you can go to considerateDone.com to connect to Julie. And the name of her book is Consider It Done. It's uh accomplished 228 of life's trickiest tasks. And uh I think it's a, a great read for everybody. And I think uh everybody should buy it. And uh, you know, either when uh, Lisa and I and the kids are in Paris or when you're back in New York, we, yeah, I'd love to we'd love to see you. And we love that. Just thank you so much for your time and uh, just thank you for your expertise and, and uh, spending some time with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you Thanks, for Julie. having me. Look forward to meeting you in person. Thanks, Julie. All right, bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, it's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian, and opinions stated are their own. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 
200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048. Arkansas Insurance License Number 741545. Expiration and submission numbers located in the show notes.